one, 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 fuck, one. Okay, I'm good now. Are you using the right microphone? Yes, yes. Sure. <laughs> Asshole. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm just yes, checking sir. if it's low out of, out of nowhere. I've been burned so many times by the damn audio quality of, of ourselves and our guests. Yeah, anyway. A little bit Listen, of shade, I, I but know. plenty of I know what it's like. Yeah, you probably yeah, yeah. <laughs> All of us do. And especially sometimes it comes from the people you expect it the least from. You know, you have some absolute boomer who's like 78. Yes, uh, ageism enters the conversation. And their fucking recording <laughs> is absolutely godlike. It's perfect. Yeah, the, you pristine. Know, they pre-prepared for like three days before this thing. And then you have some people, you know, that just uh, walk in and it uh, it sounds as if they're uh, in a literal, uh, what the fucking word, a submarine together with a bunch of millionaires scrolling <laughs> through the depths of the Titanic. And everything's going fine in there. Thank you. Are we are we team we think they got turned into a fine slurry when the window blew or are we team they're slowly running out of oxygen? My guess is it, is it collapsed. I think it's slowly running out of oxygen. It's more dramatic. Yeah, they said I this could be nothing. I don't know anything about the sea because it's none of my fucking business what happens in there. <laughs> exactly. Um, but the I, the Coast Guard or something was saying that they heard like banging, oh, that's um, right, yeah. which does raise, you know, quite a, a horrifying prospect that it, it could indeed be the, the no, latter. They're having a great time. You know what? They're exploring each other's bodies and they're finding moments. That's, so. <laughs> the bodies are so like exploded that the, the bodies are exploring other bodies. Not like oh. I don't I don't only have beef with, with this because it's, you know, a class thing or whatever. And I'm supposed to be hating on these poor souls that are dying in this fucking literal underground mm-hmm. refrigerator or whatever the fuck you want to call it. <laughs> but also because like I'm more pissed off about like, what the fuck are you doing there? Some things should be left the fuck alone. Yeah. My biggest fear on planet Earth are the immense depths of our yep. of our vast oceans. I I am when you know when they say, man, we need to be exploring more of the planet because you know that we have only explored like one tenth uh, of our waters compared to uh, what we explored of our solar system. Good, very good. I say, <laughs> fucking don't touch that shit. Don't fucking touch that shit. There's a reason why when you go as deep as for example these dudes went your brain literally turns too much and you explode you condense on yourself so you know like like i'm not one of those oh nature this and that but but in this case i am the hippiest of fucking hippies do not go so deep down that there are literal alien fucking looking motherfuckers with little like light bulbs in front of their faces and teeth that are literally as big as my (laughs) head like fuck you like you're not supposed to be there like how 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 more directly is nature supposed to tell you dude well, not your spot bro they've started telling us pretty directly i mean the 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 orcas have made it very clear that we are not welcome with our machines <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i saw a great post um just before coming on someone had photoshopped uh like pots and pans into the, the fins of some orcas <laughs> and they just said bang 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 send more billionaires it's fine down here <laughs> uh, critical support to comrade orca and also comrade the depths for consuming more billionaires than than the communists ever have <laughs> so, uh, i wonder what draws them to the abyss maybe they know deep down what they are you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. We need to search for ourselves, and that's why we go on so many adventures. But millionaires, when they search for themselves, they search for the darkest, most decrepit, most lifeless parts of our planet, which is the (laughs) deep seas, because they know that that's where they will actually find themselves. Or they've found Atlantis, 
and they're slowly mm-hmm. setting up a billionaire-only utopia down there. And that's why these submarines get lost and never found. They're just kind of vibing down there where we can't get to them. Oh, I'm going to be mad if a billionaire gets to fuck a person first. <laughs> Before me? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I earned this. <laughs> I mean, I, I used to not really, you know, care about who gets to fuck a person or whatever. But recently we found out. It's, but remember, kind of if you edit it out, a, you're a segregationist. So. <laughs> literally, literally. And now, now <laughs> I'm going to edit it out, and people are going to be like, what the hell did they edit out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm basically saying that, you know, if there's no black people, there's no attractive people anywhere. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so, again, yeah, yeah. so it's a, it's a weird combination of fetishism and uh, and also, like, praise. I don't, I don't even know where I'm going with this anymore. But uh, I do not endorse these statements. <laughs> yeah, I think you double canceled there, Bucko. <laughs> <laughs> but there are more people. They don't count. Yeah. That's uh, triple canceled. Triple we canceled. haven't developed They're not really people. Yeah. Yet. Speciesism <laughs> enters the chat. Yeah. Um, but speaking of like I don't know uh, taboo topics or you know r- rich people doing stupid shit, uh, I recently just uh, invested in the most I don't know white people thing in my entire life. It's called a water purifier. It's like a big yeah. thing, the size of a PC that you attach to like the bottom of your sink that makes 100% of your water like completely 1000% healthy and shit. Uh, shit free. Absolutely shit free. And I say, I tell myself, you know, this is for my health, you know, as I proceed to drink and smoke. Anyways, uh, <laughs> do, do you guys have any, have any like bougie thing you own that makes you feel half ashamed uh, about owning? Uh, like, except obviously your 1000 horsepower Volvo JT and 500. Your... Thank you for Okay. Much. There you go. And you're, and you're probably crazy expensive, cute rat creature that you'll tell us about later, Kate. <laughs> rat creature? This is. I won't stand for this. <laughs> I have, let's see, we recently installed, because I have really bad allergies. And so we, we recently installed a what's it called like an air filtration thing in our air conditioning unit that like vaporizes allergens and stuff as it passes through so i've got nothing but the cleanest crispest air for this boy so and that was uh, that that's probably my most uh, my most bougie thing so it's that's in pretty your, good. It's in your AC. No, that's actually my product also went pretty decent, but this one is. But you don't buy like it, it's separately. Because funny enough, the people that sold me the water purifier thing, they were like, "You want an air purifier, bro?" And it was like, even, <laughs> like it, oh, not as expensive, but almost as expensive. But yours is like put into the AC. That's legit shit, bro. Yeah, it has something to do with like a UV light, and there's a special kind of filter. What? It was very elaborate. Yeah, UV lights too. Wow, it's very fancy. I've got RGB uh, air. Conditioning. Conditioning. <laughs> wow, that that makes the air better. I wish I wish I had lit air. Uh, I I've I wish I had air conditioning, dude. Oh my god. <laughs> oh no. Um, I m- my bougiest possession is probably I've got a really big ninja blender. Oh nice. Um, because I fuck it. I love frozen cocktails and yes, my boy. Yeah, I used to work in a restaurant and these blenders were what we used there and I would I would go behind the bar and just make stuff um and nothing crushes ice like these bad boys. I had to do it. Well done. What's your what's your poison? What's your preferred cocktail? I've been making strawberry daiquiris lately because nice. I'm yes. you know, little fucking fruity and yeah. uh <laughs> holy shit. They're so good. I went to a barbecue last week and I brought 
in my backpack, I brought the fucking blender because they didn't have one and all the <laughs> yeah. ingredients and started making strawberry dax. It was a hit, let me tell you. That slaps. Yeah, I I love margaritas. We get great tequila here in Texas, so I, I'll make some margaritas. And I've got this um like fruit puree stuff, and I'm like, oh, it's fruit puree. How how bad? How unhealthy can it be? And the other day, I, like I looked at the I looked at the label. I was like, bruh, this is wow. This is really bad for you. I've been trying to be so healthy, and I'm like, well, I guess I can't have this anymore. But it's delicious. But what even is fruit puree? Like, in, like uh, inspire, explain this to a non-Yank over here. So, it, in theory, it's like fruit juice, but like slimier it's like a syrup basically um i don't know why i didn't think of syrup and i went for slime instead but yeah it's like a fruit (laughs) syrup and i don't know why the stuff that i get is so incredibly unhealthy so i assume i don't know our cook comrade here can tell us but i'm sure it's like reduced with sugar to make it a syrup I don't know. I mean, I would bet my bottom dollar that that's got some corn syrup in there bet to uh, to sweeten it up, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, yeah, guaranteed. Corn. Uh, corn syrup is delicious. That's my hot take. It tastes amazing. And I'm definitely yeah. not saying that because of the first 18 years of my life just being exposed to it constantly. <laughs> and parts of my brain are probably calcified with it. It's fine. Yeah, it's in everything here. You cannot escape it. Like, I was looking at a packet of uh, of barbecue sauce from the uh, fast food place I had today. I was like, yep, corn syrup's like the second degree. I'm like, ah, damn, take it easy. Oh, yeah, in barbecue sauce? Absolutely. You got to sweeten yeah. it up. It's like the one sauce that I do not appreciate. I'm a big ketchup really? guy, a big mayo guy, a big mayo? Uh, Tabasco guy. Yes, I, f- I can, I can, dude, this is an Eastern Europe thing. I can literally fucking toast bread and just put mayo on it and have that with like a tomato. Mm-hmm. People call me white. And it is absolutely <laughs> beautiful. Uh, no, no, you, you guys are appropriating Slavic culture. That is, yeah. that is not, not Caucasian behavior. But uh, <laughs> I, I guess today is Ugopnik doing race theory hours. I don't know. Yeah, we're but, back to Slavs aren't white anymore. Yeah. We're back to that. So, <laughs> Ugopnik, does your toaster have like a single heating element so that when it comes out, it's got like the Adidas stripe on it? <laughs> I wish, I wish. But those are too expensive even for our Patreon count. And uh, I need a few years to pass. Actually, I have like a, a combination of like the the same brand. I'm not gonna say it so it's not promotion or whatever. Of like my my toaster, my coffee machine, my blender, my everything. Wow. It's all like retroish and it like goes with the with the flat. But recently, because I moved in to a new place, and uh, a friend of mine actually bought me like Ninja but knives because you mentioned the Ninja uh, blender, and it's fucking genius because you can use the knives and whenever they they go a bit numb. You can put them in, like, the thing comes with uh, a knife sharpener. So you can absolutely always uh, always sharpen it. And uh, it makes me feel like I'm actually, you know, back in the kitchen or whatever, quote-unquote, huh. even though I obviously don't use it. This is a proud patriarchal society. I do not touch the <laughs> knives, except to threaten people, like, outside of the window when they park in my spot, which I do naturally. not own. But uh, I, I expect <laughs> them to naturally understand that it's mine. People should respect dibs. Like, if they've seen you parked in the spot before, they, they should understand it is your spot. You have claimed it. It's yours. Yeah. Absolutely. We live in a society over here. We respect Clearly. dibs. 
chips. But obviously, I never go down and actually beat the shit out of them. I wait for them to fall asleep, and then they go and I pop their tires, like a true <laughs> yeah, man would always do. But uh, no, I'm, I'm ironizing what unironically happened to me, like at least three, four times. I don't know mm-hmm. what's up with uh, with the locals here and, and fucking up people's tires and windows, but uh, it is what it is. I was going to say, while we're on the topic, just a quick PSA. If anyone is, is getting the an, an itch to go and slash some tires... For your own safety, please, when you insert the blade, do not twist it and pull it out or pull like tear and pull it out because then you, you're in for a bad time. Go straight in, straight yeah. out, and you'll be fine. Push, yep. push out. Absolutely. Sponsor of the podcast, uh, Slashing <laughs> Tires. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Friend of the pod, vandalism. <laughs> Welcome, dear listeners, to a fantastic guest episode we have for you today, featuring none other than Kay and Skittles. Who are they? Hi. Well, well ah, don't interrupt me, goddammit. Uh, <laughs> yes, keep that in, keep that in. Well, as, as, uh, uh, as they call themselves uh, and as they define themselves, prol, writer, and YouTubist. Only thing I could add is genius, media analyst, a dear and hilarious comrade, and most importantly, a disgusting fellow podcaster a co-host over at arguably the best named shows of all time unironically video games are the worst thing on earth and all (laughs) gamers are bastards also important to mention k is human and skittles is a pet by the way what even is skittles i already offended it once except for obviously being insanely cute okay skittles is a ferret which is not a rat. In fact, not even a rodent. Um, is it technically a polecat? A, so a ferret is really a domesticated polecat, but they're very similar. They can probably interbreed. I haven't checked. Um, <laughs> mostly they're kind of like little guys. Love That's it. kind of the thing about them. Um, so she has to like do her taxes and stuff because she's like, she's an, oh. an adult man, uh, basically. <laughs> Uh, that's the situation. Lovely. It's gl- I'm glad to see another one here at the podcast also being very particular about their races. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but before we begin, though, would you would you please uh, go ahead and give a little introduction to some of our viewers who might not know you? Yeah, um, I'm Kay of the YouTube channel Kay and Skittles. And um, as you said, of those two wonderfully named podcasts... I yeah I mostly write stuff about politics and media critique, uh, but increasingly, as I've been getting a history degree, it has been infecting my work, and and now I'm I'm gonna make the horrible mistake of trying to discuss history on YouTube. Um, <laughs> and anyone who's ever done that, they will tell you, don't do that. Yeah, Why would you speed. do that? But I love pain. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm going into the suffer dome, going into the jigsaw trap that is YouTube in, in the history way. I, I hope you hate every single moment of it because you sound like that's exactly what you like. I didn't start making YouTube videos to have a good time. Okay? Absolutely, <laughs> I think we can all feel that fucking. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
But so was, by the way, by the way, like JT, I, I don't know how you are, Kay, but uh, JT is the biggest fucking masochist on planet Earth. And this guy's yep. got like a platform the size of half of the fucking country I live in right now. And yet he always <laughs> reads the fucking comments and fucking replies to half of them. You like will unironically sit down and read some absolute fucking gorilla ass buffoon right to him like, <laughs> aha, Vuvuzela iPhone. And JT will unironically go like, oh, fuck you, you stupid fuck. Like, I, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. how do you not and- blow your brains out man well most days i'm on the verge of that but um i do <laughs> it some days it's a little cathartic i'll go through i'll read some comments and i'll ban like 30 people from ever commenting on my channel again and then i know that's mm. 30 people removed from the comments who can never say anything stupid again and derail anybody i'm making a little walled garden for all the little baby leftists who come to visit my channel Absolutely. I love, uh, well, I hate free speech and I love Agreed. banning annoying commenters. <laughs> uh, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Build yeah. a wall, build a wall, but on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's what I'm saying. The YouTube wall. I've probably banned 3,000 people from my channel. Fuck to get you. Something, something Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> I got a lot impressive. of comments. <laughs> that's impressive. I kind of feed off of the hate. I, I like it to stay there. I, I think I only like blocked two or three people on Twitter ever. Ever, wow! It's, it's, you know, it makes me it makes me hard, as they say. But uh, in okay, why did I say that? Okay, so moving <laughs> into the first topic of the conversation, the most oppressed group of them all, gamers, have become the quintessential breeding ground of mostly useless reactionaries. Useless in that they can't really do anything in the street or the sheets, but quite overpowered in the Reddits, Twitters, and internet subcultures of our world. As we all know, the internet is the only thing that matters, so de facto, gamers are the vanguard of any future political project. But nah, jokes (laughs) aside, uh, why do you think there's been a strong utilization of gamer culture in the West by right-wingers, while the left has generally been left to look as if we unironically don't like the nerds? It's messed up, right? Because the left has always been full of nerds. Marx yeah. was a fucking nerd. <laughs> um, but I feel like nerd used to suggest that somebody was uh, physically inept and yeah. probably well-read, whereas I feel like now being a nerd means you've watched a lot of Star Wars. You don't necessarily know anything. You haven't necessarily read a fucking book in your life. You just consume in a specific way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that kind of nerd is really fucking annoying. And <laughs> they're kind of primed for reactionary politics. Because like modern like reactionary outrage politics, it's just it's just like marketing. Yeah, it's just like consumer patterns mm. plastered onto politics, and that, that kind of becomes the culture war. That's why all they do is get mad about fucking beer advertisements and shit these days. That's that's that drives me nuts. It's like, my guy, you're buying the beer to shoot the beer. This is what they want. You are. You, they don't care if you drink it. <laughs> I would love to shoot a beer. That honestly sounds really fun. Um, but it, yeah, it doesn't Heck, really y'all come visit. Anyone. Y'all come visit. We'll shoot as many beers as you want. Oh yeah, you live in you live somewhere with freedom. That's... I live somewhere with freedom and guns and homophobic chicken. I've got yeah, everything you could possibly want here. Oh, and I air mi- conditioning. I miss, I miss having a gun. I I don't miss the homophobic chicken so much. But. <laughs> <laughs> Additionally, and arguably even more interestingly, there there seems to be you know an ideological divide again underscoring in the West 
between game developers and gamers. Uh, game devs as well as writers seem to at least attempt whenever that's possible, uh, and they're not having their necks wrung by their corporate overlords, they at least attempt to do some mild social commentary through their work, try to at least present progressive ideas and you know more complex moral norms, etc., etc., while their consumers, at least the stereotype as we previously mentioned it, just wants to quote-unquote go back to the good old apolitical game. Why do you think that is? I feel like a really big part of it is because there's been this fetishization of escapism and it's held up as this really pure experience that mm. it's like a personal assault on the player if something of the real world is is intruding on it. You know what I mean? And so they get mm. they get defensive. Like, if the new Mario is about something, then I've wasted my fucking life uh, <laughs> just playing it being like, oh, this is about jumping on these fucking turtles and, and banging royalty. That's what this game is about. It's That's what every plumber does. That's why everyone wants to be a plumber. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because it makes them feel dumb. You know, you've been playing games for like 10 years and you've never thought about them politically and then someone comes along and, and, and says, no, this game's about something. That suddenly means you might have fucked up, you know? Mm. So you're telling me they made Wolfenstein political? Are you kidding me? I can't Jesus believe Christ. they've done this. They won't even let you be friends with the clan. <laughs> like, what? So much uh, for fucking free speech. Freedom of choice and fucking games. It's very, like, the word political now, when applied to games, is so incredibly vague. It's just become a reactionary buzzword because more often than not, you'll have like a woman protagonist in the game and they're like, they made it political. It's like, how is this political? This is a human being character that you are controlling. Yeah. It's very, it's, I don't know. It's, it is interesting how the gamer subculture has kind of consumed like the incel subculture and like the talk, what if you want to call it toxic masculinity subculture and the, the, just the right wing subculture. And now anything that deviates from the you know like the original kind of call of duty like patterson get on that 50 if it's not that it's political somehow i mean it, it helps that these are every group you just listed is made up mostly of socially inept men yeah um and in, in terms i mean i think that in terms of playing games it's more or less 50 50 but in terms of being part of like gamer subculture it's mostly men they 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 work really hard to make any women in the space <laughs> uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, which then feeds into them being incels and and like MRAs and stuff. It's a good cycle of just never being a normal dude. You know. What is an MRA? Oh, a, a men's rights activist. Oh um, my god. I guess they <laughs> okay. haven't really been called that in years. Now they'd be like manosphere yeah, or the MGTOW, the men going their own way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Back, so I'm I'm a thousand years old, of course. Back in the day, these these were the MRAs. Um, uh. Back when they were pretending to be like a a, a civil rights group, which was yeah. a really funny period. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But they couldn't name any rights that men don't have, so they kind of <laughs> changed that. <laughs> yeah. Even oh even god. even. Those first humors that kind of grew out of the, as you very eloquently put, not people who play games, but people that very intensively define themselves as gamers, like it, like it grew out of it because for so long uh, these ostracized individuals felt like this is their thing. 
right? And they know everything about this yeah. thing, even though at the end of the day, the most like analysis of Super Mario they uh, ever got to is again, Kay said, is oh, plumber man, do the little jump and collect a little uh, coin. Uh, and then all of a sudden, this this uh, this uh, community of theirs, which was uh, ostracized by others, as well as them choosing to ostracize themselves to an extent that can be a debate, all of a sudden it's uh, it has like a limelight directed at them and heavy duty analysis by all of these people who uh, they at least. Uh, saw as people who made fun of them, as people who were not part of the internal culture of the gaming movement and so on, coming in and all of a sudden telling them who were a part of it eternally, gamers are basically hipsters, but for arcades, I guess, telling them what they are supposed to think about this thing that they've been so passionate about for so long. And this sort of intrusion uh, either leads people to, you know, become more retrospective and actually embrace it and say, oh man, this medium that I, that has entertained me for so long, that I've enjoyed for so long, maybe it has a, 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 like a few more layers of depth to it that I could potentially explore. And I believe that the absolute majority of so-called back-in-the-day nerds or gamers or whatever the fuck, they, uh, they went down that route. But the reactionary segment which uh, completely wanted to solidify themselves in this identity of gamers that is now being attacked by people who are saying oh this is a bit more complicated than you know clicking uh, three buttons and achieving a high score they are now the enemy they are the the external the, the subhuman the, the thing that we need to combat in order to preserve our traditional way of life as gamers basically the allegory I'm making here is that the, the gaming sub culture after i don't know 2012 13 14 one could even say uh, because it entered the so-called mainstream uh, it was introduced to reactionary ideology and just like it would apply to any like nation state or whatever to gaming culture they basically had two choices choose to quietly or actively progress or uh fight for some sort of uh traditional way of being that never really existed, which again leads us to uh, that famous term, going back to uh, the golden age of gaming, or to apolitical games, and so on and so on. And it doesn't even apply to games. You, you see the last like Top Gun movie that came out, you know, okay film or whatever the fuck. But the main thing that everybody always says about it is, oh, they don't make them as they used to. Uh, you know, the, the, this is a movie uh, that, uh, you know, could have been only made in the 90s and 2000s. And now when it was made uh, in, you know, 2022 or three, whatever the fuck, whenever the fuck it was, it, it, it blew our minds because, you know, again, they don't make it, uh, make them as they used to. There's a reason they don't make them as they used to, because it's fucking cliche, overdrawn fucking propaganda uh, hit piece about uh, <laughs> American guy. Very good. So, it again, it, it's not only in games, it's in film, it's in... And it's in media in general that the reactionary current doesn't only apply on you know state structure, governmental structure, or you know uh, uh, the military and you know uh, yes to abortions or no to abortions. It can seep into absolutely every single millimeter of uh, of society. I mean, for fuck's sake, sorry for the rant, but like literally two <laughs> three years ago, we started a whole conversation about uh, we lit like about whether like vaccine 
vaccinating, we made vaccinating completely ideological with two tents uh, yeah. uh, that, that were fighting about it. So if you can make that ideological, obviously you're going to make uh, fucking uh, angry basement dwellers uh, uh, ideologically inclined towards the reactionary whenever they want to preserve something that at the end of the day they would have gotten a lot more out of if they chose to accept uh, the progression of that said something which is defending for so long. Yeah, and, and speaking to um, the the sort of uh, gulf between the developers and the players that you mentioned, I think a lot of that comes from, or when I say players, I mean capital G gamers, of course. <laughs> um, they, I think, kind of imagine that the average person is them, so yeah. sort of like a, a kind of right-wing socially inept white dude is yeah. you know that's quite a lot of these people but game development studios do a decent like a surprisingly good job of actually being kind of representative of the of the general population a lot of women work in these companies there's a lot of queer people in these companies that should not be surprising for anyone who knows anything about the visual arts a lot of yeah. people who are making are like graphic design and animators now started off making like weird gay furry shit in DeviantArt, <laughs> you know, 20 years ago or however long. And they feel like the, they feel besieged because this feels like something so apart from them when it's just, no, this is the, the cross section of these companies is probably fairly similar to, you know, a lot of workplaces. This is, mm. this is just what people are like. And, and so any sign, if they see a woman in a game, if they, if they see, especially if they see like a black woman in a game, that one, that one really gets them hot and bothered in a bad way. It because it, it, it just seems like this alien thing suddenly. Whereas to a normal person, it's like that's I, I literally cannot comprehend what your problem is. That's just yeah. that's just some woman in a game. There's been women in games like forever. Tomb Raider, when did that yeah. start? Like that's not even the first. That's just the first that comes to mind. It's super weird. It's absolutely wild. But like going back to kind of the apolitical aspect of it, which is relevant to continuing our conversation, uh, or the so-called unbiased gain that was supposed to at some point uh, exist. I want to ask you guys, like, what's your favorite ultra biased game that is apparently seen as apolitical by, you know, ideological Neanderthals. <laughs> and for me, obviously, I'm going to chicken out as fuck. It's Call of Duty. Uh, I mean, it takes the cake for me, no matter how cliche or easy of a choice it might be. Uh, but yeah, uh, what can you think of that, you know, really you remember making your fucking draw dropper? You're like, did they really made it like this? For me, easily, it's Fallout. Mm. Um my, I don't know, second or third video was about Fallout, and it was the first time I made a video about video game. <laughs> and I didn't, I knew it would be bad, but I didn't realize how angry people would get at the suggestion that this game about, about the worst fears of the Cold War coming true, and America being kind of frozen in, in time as like the worst version of itself, just the most jingoistic and violent and freakish type of America. You know, they were they were really upset at the the proposition that this is trying to say things about America and the system <laughs> in it. A lot of people they and to be fair, I feel like a lot of people at Bethesda who are making these games now feel the same way. But they just want it to be like a theme park of of kind of early early mid twentieth century Americana, and they don't want to think about you know, hey, why why did the world get nuked? That's weird that that happened. <laughs> 
even for a millisecond considering fallout a, a game so blatantly in your face about kind of the the message you're trying to propose is, is absolutely fascinating remember some guy making like mods with like uh uh just a communist skin of you know the brotherhood armor and people losing their fucking mind and like re- retweeting that with literally the quote uh what was it death is a prefer- preferable oh, alternative yeah. to communism it, it absolutely fascinates me how deep deep inside of their own skulls some people tend to tend to exist and i am sometimes jealous like imagine how like <laughs> freeing that must be how and enjoyable peaceful. that must be completely yeah. peaceful you know your ignorance is bliss but to these guys it's not even bliss it's fucking i don't know three grams of fucking heroin in a fucking (laughs) ditch like it's art it's funny because liberty prime is and a lot of the robots in fallout are making fun of that sort of like militant anti-communism um but a lot of people saw that when they were like yeah that's so cool i'm gonna quote that like a serious opinion (laughs) i'm gonna come clean i've never played fallout None of them. I've never played Fallout. I've never played Bioshock either. That's another one that people say, oh, you made it political. I've never played any of them. I'm not a gamer. Honestly, I love that for you. You're going (laughs) to... You you will see the gates of heaven. You you are a full human being. I can't believe it. Um, You are an audio producer, though. So, you know, from one to another, I I maybe need to... (laughs) Maybe need to roll back some of those statements, but no, not, not like he's much worse. Like he's one of those gamers that I guess, like my analysis of JT is, if it has a story with with more than three pages of text included in that story, <laughs> he cannot fucking play him. He's a super what was it, Super Smash Bros. Like uh, yeah. ultra hardcore player. Like Monkey Man fight uh, Plumber Man fight Princess Girl <laughs> on screen. They do the hit hit, and and yeah, he can spend uh, like thousands of hours. On that so unironically yeah i think about two thousand hours on smash ultimate there you uh, go no depths of hell the (laughs) deepest depths of hell like satan himself will open the door when he welcomes him we can make an excuse we're like it was because of the narrative or whatever and they're gonna put us in the in the part of hell with like the the cinema freaks right like (laughs) the cinema freaks (laughs) movie lovers you know because oh it's because of the narrative it's because of the writing but him deepest holes my friend so jt i take it you didn't enjoy disco elysium then i I have it in my steam library i've never opened it and specifically because like yugopnik said there there's a lot of reading to be done yeah there's there's a bit of reading, yeah. You could say that's most of the game, in fact. Oh my god, yeah. Cancelled. Not playing that game. Stupids for nerds. It's, it's fully voice acted now, so theoretically you could not look at the words and get pretty oh, far. I could pretend there's no reading. Yeah, it's I like could... it's a movie now. Wow, okay. Oh, wow. Alright, okay. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> yeah, I, even like Zelda, even the new Zelda game, I've been like... I don't know what happened to me in the last couple of years. I, I was just smashing the A button. Like, I don't care what you're saying. I don't care. I just want to run around and pick up fruits and stuff. Ah, <laughs> you're triggering me so fucking hard right now. Like, you have no fucking idea. I am turning into a reactionary game. The dialogue is for babies. It's like, oh, there's a, a door there. Maybe a key would open it. I'm <laughs> like, I don't want to read really? this. Okay, okay. Uh, don't tell me about the key. <laughs> don't tell me about the <laughs> <laughs> what was that joke like um uh being woman must be very hard you must choose what sims dlc to buy 
<laughs> but but speaking of, of jaw-droppingly difficult uh, choices, uh, your video, which uh, I recommend to all our listeners about uh, Enemy at the Gates, was absolutely fucking incredible. I remember yeah. watching that propaganda piece when I was a teen, and uh, it's sticking so much with me that to this day I'm trying to fight some of my personal stereotypes about specifically in this case the Red Army. Uh, but anyways, uh, please give us, let's put it this way, your top three moments from that film so we don't, we don't spoil the entirety of your awesome video, which is going to be in the description below. Uh, your top three moments that still make you go, and I'm repeating myself from previously, how the fuck did they get <laughs> this made? Uh, well, first of all, thank you. It's very kind. Um, that was a video that I, I made because it's, it's one of those things that I have probably talked my friend's ears off of about so many times over the years. I just had to, <laughs> I had to get it out there. Yeah, yeah. My favorite scene by far, and I do mention it in the video, is the one where um, I think it's Khrushchev himself gets the uh, political officers together. And is like morale is shit, boys. Oh, what are we? Yeah. What, what are we doing? And they're like, we've tried torturing our own men, and we're all out of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And then Danilov, who is meant to be more sympathetic, because he will renounce communism towards the yeah, end of the of film. Course, of course. Um, he's like, uh, we tried giving them hope, and everyone's like, <laughs> what the fuck? What? We, can, can, what? <laughs> That's dope. Um. And, you know, mentioning it, my second favorite scene is the one where he decides that because a girl doesn't like him, communism won't work right before he kills yeah, himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's hard to argue with that, uh, that <laughs> it it feels like, you know, it's so far predates incels, but like he's an incel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. OG Red Army Soviet incel, bro. Fucking class. Yeah, I, I definitely that was that was a point where I started to feel like this was a real guy. You can't. You can't just yeah. do this to someone. This is all made up. What do you? T- you can't just make a guy an incel. He like, probably no, no. had a family. Isn't it? Is it? Isn't it kind of beautiful? It's like uh, absolutely every ideological current can be destroyed by you getting dumped by a woman. In 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 a, in a way, for like uh, at least uh, you know straight men, uh, while they dread being dumped by a woman. They also long for it because it is the ultimate excuse to embrace reactionary ideology. Oh yeah, you divorced guys everywhere. Yeah. Are oh my, God. acting up. Yeah, it's, 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 it's like it's like perfect. It's absolutely perfect. I, you know, it's like an extension of you know that American thing of uh, you know you hoarding guns because you're really hoping somebody breaks into your house so you can yeah. fuck them up, right? It's like mm, my man, if somebody could fucking come. I think there is also a masochistic <laughs> drive again in straight men for them to want to be dumped by their wives or by their women in order for them to finally have an excuse to embrace, uh, at least in this case, ultra ultra patriarchal uh, Tendencies, or like I, I would even expand it. Like, like as we've seen, for example, obviously we're not going into the details of this horrible war, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but it's as if like most Western European liberals and like uh, uh, American liberals were just waiting for some other country to do something bad. In this case, Russia, for them to be able to literally just call Russians fucking dirty orcs, fucking fucking yeah. little dirt fucking maggot motherfuckers. <laughs> so, so it's uh, they, they were so eager to yeah, do yeah. race yeah, science. They, they, oh, they 
loved it because they were like, okay, everyone agrees that, you know, it's culturally very uh, convenient and easy to talk shit about Russia and Russians. We we laid the stonework, stonework, groundwork. That sounds yeah. right. Um, for that <laughs> yeah. in the Cold War, that's that's done. Um, we can just do what, you know, it seems like a lot of these people wish they, they could say about about a lot of other groups. Yeah, no, uh, they're taking a fucked up glee in it. That is is yeah. really disturbing. Aren't they? So I guess I'm expanding this theory. I, I, I'll like. I think I'll write a book about, unironically, you know, <laughs> uh, like uh, dropping the thesis right now. So it's uh, people want to get dumped so that they can be uh, extremely sexist. Uh, people want to get dumped in order for them to stop being communists if they're communists. <laughs> or, uh, but also like people probably like want to be want to be attacked by like a minority, be it verbally or physically, so that they can. I, I, I know I have acquaintances that will unironically sit down. And like say something extremely bigoted, and I would call them out, like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" And they would yeah. say, "No, man, you don't know what fucking happened to me, like back in 1997 <laughs> or some shit." I'm like, "What?" And then, so, sure, it happens to be that some random guy with a bit more melanin or from the weird religion number 787 did something wrong to them. But they were really looking for that experience to happen to them, that what they call trauma or whatever, in order for them to excuse away, uh, to jump on the on the bandwagon as you said of uh, of being a bigoted piece of shit so uh, uh in a way we all want to be hurt so that we can hurt others there you go oh, that's how the book ends fucking signature wow. fucking new york bestseller i'll just make Beautiful. sure to include like uh, like three sentences about how i disagree with uh, the soviet union and how yeah. <laughs> uh, jeffrey epstein is my favorite guy and the immediately fucking best-selling shit <laughs> I think that those guys who have that masochistic impulse should probably find a healthier way to to vent it. You know, get into CBT or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but uh, fucking sick. But going back to gaming, uh, I guess talking about uh, cock and ball torture. Uh, what the, the fuck is going on? Uh, why is everything so fucking average? Or, Was that supposed to be Mario? Was that was that in a No, it's like it's a combo. It's like a I'm walking over Gabagu, I'm fucking Tony <laughs> Soprano. Ah, I wanted one without pulp, uh, but uh, you know, am I am I just getting old, or is the good old uh, hand of the free market uh, swooped into the panties of the gaming industry and slowly whispered repetitive missions, loot boxes, useless <laughs> DLCs, higher prices. I I I, I tried to make a second thing but apparently no it didn't work i can carry it on myself <laughs> into the ear as it erotically said yes to every single one of its dumb bosses desires the tech keeps getting better the possibilities are becoming endless and yet with a few exceptions we're getting the most milk toast underdeveloped shit in decades enlighten us please as the prime gamer hater on why you think this is the case. Wow. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, first of all, I, I would say that I, I will go to bat for indie games. I think they've been getting yeah. better. Yes, yes. Um, and a big thing with these studios is, because like any company, the constant growth is required. It's not good enough to make a profit. You need to be making a, a gain on your profits last quarter. So... They have all sorts of fucked up practices to try to achieve that. They're laying off people when they're making record profits. They're crunching the fuck out of their um, their dev teams. But 
another one is monetization and and games get sculpted like big budget AAA games get sculpted around monetization models um to the extent that there's been cases where they've removed loot boxes from games and then the game has to be like rebalanced because they rigged it to try to make you need to buy loot boxes That's insane that happened with uh, a battlefront game a few years back and then a few other ones because they it's not good enough to sell lots of games and, and make money for most of these companies they need They've really become obsessed with games being kind of never-ending things. Like, games as a service is is what they call it sometimes, yeah. but a lot of games have that model where it's like, we're just going to support this game and sell you new things in it for fucking years and years, as long as we possibly can, because they want that steady income. And they're competing over a limited customer base who they're they're really expecting to put a lot of time into games that often don't give them very much back. Yeah. Fallout 76 was a great example. They expected you to subscribe and, and, and play for years. And it's like, there's not years worth of stuff to do. It wasn't very good. It's not going to work guys. Same with battlefield 2042. I was stoked for I, for I'm a big battlefield fan. Like one of my favorite games of all time is bad company Two, And then battlefield one good. absolutely slapped. Great well. game, but literally didn't have absolutely any fucking story. And that's yeah. why you like it. I mean, sorry. Just my thesis. What, Bad Company 2? Yeah, it had like, no. There's no reading a, in that it was game. A joke. There's like, no reading. There's no reading. Yeah. There's a story. They, they, hey, they, bro, they, there's the a Japanese, tank over there. They, they, they did a revisionism. They did Japanese, came up with a doomsday weapon, and then they went to the future, and there was also a doomsday. I don't remember. <laughs> anyway, great game. But like uh, <laughs> Battlefield 5, and then subsequently Battlefield 2042 were just absolute garbage like it didn't work on launch relied on this like subscription model and stuff like that and it's like why are you doing this but i i can't remember now the last time a triple a game came out that was functional at launch like just not not a great game just even functional it's wild i mean the market has accepted uh underdeveloped games it has shown that it buys them Except, obviously, when it's so fucked up that, uh, you know, everybody revolts, like, I don't know, Cyberpunk being uh, being an example. And even to an extent, you know, uh, the Star Wars game that everybody mentioned where everybody protested the microtransactions to such an extent that they ended up, uh, you know, uh, minimizing slash removing that from the, from, the circumstance, from the situation. But in general, I mean, this, this is just an extension of, you know, the, the cliche that probably most of our listeners know at this point, but it's worth repeating. Once you uh, achieve a place in the market which does not allow for major competition to enter because most capital and most competition has already been to an extent monopolized, which is the natural extension of how markets work. This is absolutely 100% unavoidable, even with the strictest reforms, as long as you use the market, obviously. Uh, you get to a point where uh, mass producers in this case, uh, but genuinely capitalists, realize the bettering of our product does not necessarily lead to higher returns because yeah. already the number one already the market is too saturated uh, and number two already there is the, the product is that decent that there is no way to for us to improve it enough without a massive investment which in the short term will lead to uh, a lower profitability 
so what do you do then? You start cutting costs by obviously firing people or uh, by uh, lowering the quality of the product. You know, you put more water in the cheese instead of milk. <laughs> you put, uh, you know, repetitive fucking uh, auto-generated maps or whatever in your game instead of actually spending time developing it. You, uh, you absolutely uh, ruin the lives of, in this case, your developers who had to have to fucking overwork their asses because some guy in marketing said it's oh super good for us to release on july 5th and you cannot god forbid postpone up until september and it's uh, again just uh, the gaming industry is not excluded from uh, being a victim of the way the capitalist market uh, works which uh, again sorry for repeating myself but it's very important to note kind of absolutely denounces the number one main pitch that they've always been giving us as you know why capitalism equal good capitalism equal good because competition lead to better product literally capitalism equal good because you get cool shit that that's at least to me that's the best pitch capitalism has ever given but at yeah. one point capitalism reaches a point where uh, competition not equal good competition equal fucking uh, cheese with emulgators and shit and and fucking parasites and fucking worms and uh, video games and monopolies. That barely so the, run. The, I mean, the goal, the eventual goal of competition, the end, the logical endpoint of competition is monopoly. Eventually, everyone will be outcompeted by one mega corporation or one video game franchise or whatever. It's why we've got Call of Duty and Battlefield. Those are the war games. Like they killed. Uh, Medal of Honor. They killed all the other options and stuff like that. And so now you've got them going back and forth trying to out-war game each other. Like, oh, I'm going back to World War One. Oh, I'm going to do World War Two. Okay, now we're doing World War Two. Okay, we're going back to the near future. Okay, me too. And it's just... They're, it, if it consolidates to the point where they don't have to improve their product, they don't have to put in any effort, you get stuff like Pokemon Legends, where it's just like, brother, this looks like Gale of Darkness or Pokemon Coliseum or something. This this could run on a GameCube. It's ridiculous. Yeah, plus, um, I think that Joe Brandon might be trying to stop it, but uh, Microsoft was trying to buy Activision Blizzard, so they scoop that up, and then uh, who makes Battlefield? Dice? They're not owned by Microsoft, are they? They're owned by... Because <laughs> Microsoft scoops them up, and then you've got the two big uh, military shooter competitors not needing to compete. They're just oh, it's EA. owned by the same people. EA? EA, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they scoop up Activision Blizzard, scoop up EA. I could see it happening, and then... Yeah, just, GG. It's one company. It is indeed GG. Like, we are so close in media to Monopoly. Like, Disney on the other side, on, on the, you know, film and television yeah. side, yeah. is frighteningly close um to the point that the u.s government is actually kind of <laughs> saying well hang on this is getting a little dicey like that's <laughs> that's, that's pretty bad <laughs> yeah i can't fucking wait for call of battlefield uh, black uh, ops <laughs> like it's going to be absolutely fucking rad but okay now we're just being very like uh doomer pilled or whatever the fuck uh uh, and arguing about, you know, the Doomer pill is always much easier than uh, actually looking towards the light. So I'm going to push us in that kind of direction. So what do you think a post-capitalist setup uh, where, you know, devs organized together to create a video game would look like? Some of the drawbacks, some of the benefits. For example, there might be less games in total, probably, but the ones that come out would be 
polished to perfection as there is no corporate overlord who was told by the previously mentioned marketing this marketing boss that releasing exactly on june 5th is the most important things otherwise the world will die uh, <laughs> that's just one one small example. How do you think the the post capitalist uh, process of developing a game, or not even process of developing a game, uh, the post capitalist uh, gaming gaming world, landscape, gaming landscape? Thank you. Would look like. Oh yeah, of course the the PCGL, the post capitalist gaming landscape. We all know about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually I think about this a lot because um. And, you know, obviously it's it's speculative, but I think the biggest thing would be that games would come out way fucking slower mm -hmm. and they would be better. But a lot of it is that the current pace of game production is is pretty unhealthy for the people making it clearly leads to really flawed final products. Um, you mentioned cyberpunk before and like it's fucked that that was released in any kind of state like that. They should have been working on that for at least like two more years. So I think we'd see games coming out far more slowly. It's very possible that we wouldn't see these huge AAA titles much like without the centralizing power of capital. Would we have studios of the size of Ubisoft, for example? Uh, maybe not. It wouldn't be a huge loss. Um, but if those things did happen, I think they'd be these really weird collaborative projects that would be very messy and would take even longer to make. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we'd see a lot more smaller games, small teams doing passion projects. I think that if you look at um, especially Bethesda game uh, modding communities, you maybe get a bit of a, a bit of a, a glimpse of what that would look like. Like teams are making, uh, they're making Oblivion and Morrowind different teams uh, in Skyrim basically. So they can wow. have the same game, but like modernized. That's an incredible amount of work. It's they've been doing it for probably both of them coming up on a decade, all completely free and voluntary. And I think that's probably what game development would start to look like. It would be these weird, quite slow passion projects. Yeah, honestly, I'm all for that. Like all the games that I've really enjoyed recently have been small, uh, like indie projects like uh, Hades, the Ori games, uh, Hollow Knight, Rollerdrome, stuff like that. They're Those just, are all so good. They're, they just they slap and they work perfectly. There are no bugs, at least that I've experienced. And they're like they're you know buy them for nineteen ninety nine, and it's a beautiful experience that you can always come back to. Whereas I, like I fire up Battlefield today, I guarantee I'm going to run into some game breaking glitch. It's ridiculous, but yeah, that's. I, I don't think, mean to be pedantic, but Hollow yeah. Knight is full of bugs. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> yes, that is true. Um, but yeah, it's like the the passion really shows through on the projects that people, you know, they have the time to develop. They've got the time to, to have their artists make these beautiful backdrops for games like Hollow Knight. And it's like every frame of that is it's a work of art. Whereas these, you know, the Battlefields and the Pokemons and the, well, less Pokemon, that, those games are ugly. But the Battlefields and the Call of Duties <laughs> and stuff are technically impressive, but completely soulless. Yeah, and, and devs will get a lot more artistically brave if they're not, if their first priority isn't meeting the demands of shareholders. Right. And, and a boss who's like, you need to sell 10 million copies or I'm, I'm going to do Roman decimation on the dev studio. <laughs> You can't make weird shit when you're trying to be as mainstream and broad as humanly possible. It's you, you can't. And therefore, you know, you're not going to be as artistically interesting. 
Exactly. Again, to not repeat myself like a broken clock, but the, the moment you're not limited by competition, uh, your your palette of how different of a game uh, you can create, your palette of colors that you can use on the uh, you know uh, wall that you're painting on uh, expands uh, massively. And as you said, we probably won't see as big of titles, even though you know a point could be made there that uh, you know uh, large platforms, if I can call them that, uh, would be created. You know, massive games that are not 100% complete, but that because they're not privately owned, because they're not intellectual property and so on, the community itself could actively work on continuously expanding those particular worlds. Uh, but that's, again, something like I'm fantasizing or whatever the fuck, but only on the, on the you know, normal, basic, basic level of removing hardcore market competition obviously we would uh, we would be seeing uh, far more creativity and a far more expansive sort of uh, approach uh, towards uh, what even a game is because right now you know we have the set categories that we've defined not only in uh, in games I mean look at cars they all fucking look the same look at uh, mm. how like equalized all films have become after we've introduced uh, you know mass consumption through streaming services services look at uh, the apartment furniture look at the look at the the approach to what a park is supposed to look like or not look like what a walkable city is what is not because this is all limited by uh, practicality which should lead to higher uh, capital gain we do not dare to explore something radically different. And nowadays, for to go back to gaming, like some indie developers absolutely dare to do something pretty radical, but they always, except for you know a few exceptions, uh, but they always need to revolve around making this thing uh, financially sustainable. Even this thing that we're doing, we're literally pitching the absolute annihilation of capitalism through a microphone uh, while LARPing on uh, on a podcast or whatever the fuck <laughs> but even this like let's be honest if it is not financially self-sufficient it will die because we have to eat food drink water yeah. and pay for mortgages rent electricity uh, car fuel and so on absolutely everything has this sort of disgusting ceiling which asks them no matter what they do no matter what passion projects they have it always asks the repetitive question of is this going to be able to put food on your table? And that will always, always, always limit creativity and always limit uh, just how far we want to explore. The opportunities are basically endless, in my opinion. Some limitations, sure, but the opportunities are endless if we remove this ceiling of ours uh, one beautiful, beautiful day. But obviously all the gamers are going to call it fucking political, fuck <laughs> off, man. They're going to set up their own fucking little country <laughs> where they'll just have Call of Duty 787 and call each other the F-slur and so on and so on. You know what? As it happens, there is a miserable island nation that we could put all the gamers on uh, <laughs> called Britain, but they can rename it if they want. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they wouldn't have air conditioning. Oh, God, the stench. The stench would be unbearable. <laughs> well, we won't be going there. Don't you worry. We, we're going to get a non-gamer pass from the yeah. communists uh, on That's this right. day for our service um, to the podcasting aspect of the regime. 
<laughs> but we were the most important part. You know that joke, uh, I mean, not joke, that famous anti-fascist saying, first they came for the communists, I did not yeah, say anything, yeah. then they came for the da-da-da-da-da, and then, you know, in the end, when they came for me, there was nobody to speak up. Imagine, yeah. you know, the, 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 the communist cleanse of, uh, of all innately, I don't know how they would define it, like innately reactionary professions or some, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and in the future, you know, first, you know, we eliminated the gamer, da-da-da, and us podcasters were like clapped. Then we eliminated the influencer and us podcasters clapped. Then we eliminated the, the tech guru and us podcasters clapped. And when they came for the podcaster, there was nobody else to complain. So we will end up in the British Isles as, a, as another aspect of the colony. But instead of just giving us games in basements uh, and large uh, flat screen TVs, they will force all, all, all podcasters to all like podcast from a single uh, warehouse so that it's absolutely impossible to edit the audio because sharing one microphone, sharing one microphone. <laughs> holy shit. Factory farming podcasters uh, in a big fucking industrial warehouse. That's a beautiful <laughs> dream. I hope we get there one day, comrade, one day. <laughs> Oh, so I just wanted to add something to the the fantasizing about post-capitalist games. Is I'd love to see um, absent intellectual property laws. People would save a lot of time. Um, when I was playing Red Dead Redemption 2, which is a game I, I really enjoy, I was struck by how like amazing just the horse riding was. And then it occurred to me, ev- the horse riding is in so many games, mm-hmm. and every time they have to build their own yeah. fucking horse riding system yeah. instead of just fucking copy and paste this one assuming you're using the same engine or whatever so it works you shouldn't need to somebody did a great job on this you shouldn't need to put time into this put that into everything else to make the game mm. great instead Brilliant. of agonizing over horses games really <laughs> upgrade one on top of another if you yeah. if you're making like i don't know an adventure open world game and shit uh, third person like for example red dead even though it has first person but you you know what i mean you could literally mm-hmm. take almost all the aspects of it and then uh use that particular engine to tell a different story. And then somebody who would want to improve on that engine could absolutely take that engine and then improve on it. And, you know, in a non-market way, people would still compete to create the better and better version of that engine just because this is what humans do, not only when they're driven by fucking monetary factors. It would be yeah. it would be absolutely beautiful. Yeah, lovely. Absolutely. No, the, the, the future of gaming, hey, reactionary gamer who, but for some reason fell on this podcast, the future of your passion project could be looking good in this alternative to uh, capitalist doctrine that you're so used to. All right. Well, leaving the fetid layer of gaming for, for just a moment, um, one of my favorite videos of yours, Kay, is the one about Batman and power fantasy. Uh, excellent video. Highly encourage all of our listeners to give it a watch. But the one thing that stuck out to me the most was the final section, the cool third thing on the Immortal Hulk. Um, and I'm not really a comic guy, so I'd, I'd never heard of that. And it is wild to me that something so blatantly pro-liberation and pro-literally-crushing-the-capitalist like, system even exists. So could you give the audience a real quick rundown of the series? Um, and then also, as a follow-up, this made me think, wow, if this can exist, what will it take to start seeing more explicitly revolutionary media? Like, revolutionary sentiment is definitely on the rise, I would say. So what is preventing more... Immortal Hulk type content. Um, so Immortal Hulk is, or I should say, um, the run by Al Ewing. I don't remember how many issues it is. I think somebody else took it over recently, and it hasn't been as good. But I kind of stopped reading mm. when my man Al was no longer uh, at the helm of it because it was 
in large part his creative vision mm-hmm. i felt immortal hulk is bruce banner they they use a as they often do with the hulk a bit of a heavy-handed schizophrenia multiple personality yeah. thing to make sense of like how he has these different beings he's got different hulks basically in his head and one of them is called the devil hulk it's derived from kind of his childhood trauma and its primary goal is to protect humanity and it figures okay the way to do this is to destroy the capitalist system the you know the mechanisms of which are obviously detrimental to humanity that's already a pretty not a not an especially like bold statement for us yeah. but for a comic mm. book writer is is quite good mm. um and so something he does that you know he goes and he physically destroys corporations that are stand-ins for corporate power overall and that would be a cool but not mind-blowing comic series to me um where it really goes up a notch is two things it does one is it presents liberal counter arguments and then kind of throws them away Mm -hmm. uh at one point I don't remember his name. I haven't read any of his comics. There's another Hulk. Uh, Marvel shit is complicated. There's another Hulk (laughs) who is an Asian guy. I think he's named Arthur. I don't remember. Um, And he's kind of like, so uh, Banner asks, asks the other Hulk, you know, do you want to join what I'm doing here? And he gives him this very, at the time, very familiar sounding like, oh yeah, I think this is just you being like an angry white guy lashing out. Mm -hmm. I don't think this is actually that radical it just made me think of like the discourse around bernie bros and stuff right liberals Mm. who have always sided with the status quo being like oh they're just being angry and white like there are a lot of people said who would say this would be white as well they'd be acting like they're they're being radical anti-racists when it's just they're just dismissing complaints (laughs) about capitalism right and the comic never really gives arthur's arguments a lot of credence it's it's a critique that the Hulk is presented with and considers, but then he, you know, he he doesn't abandon his project, which I thought yeah. was important. And they go so far as to have him fighting um, a being that is kind of representative of ideology itself and like nostalgia via the media being used to create this kind of cultural hegemony. Like it starts to get kind of abstract. Yeah. While he is still just, you know, beating up monsters, uh, which I find very funny. (laughs) But these kinds of ideas are like, this guy is not just angry about capitalism. This, my man's been reading books. (laughs) (laughs) And you love to see that in a medium that is not always the most interested in politics and ideology beyond like the surface. And you, you can get that sometimes when you're not in a main run, because the way superhero comics work is there's usually like a primary current canon run for a given character. But there's always lots of side things like the Immortal Hulk, and you get way more interesting stuff in those. In 2016, um, Tom King did a short run for The Vision that I thought was really good. It's not necessarily communist or anything. It, it's mm-hmm. just... It's good. It's good art, despite being superhero shit, which I'm normally quite down on. Because it was just like a side run of like, I don't know, 20 issues or, or whatever it was. And you can you can get away with a lot when you do that. And I think that's how the Immortal Hulk gets made. 
Yeah, I just thought that was super cool. Like, I, I have almost no experience with comic books, but then listening to you describing, like, okay, so yeah, there's this literal Minotaur guy <laughs> at the head of this company. <laughs> it's like, it was, I don't know. It was just, to me, it was really cool because most of the, the time when you think of comics or you think of superheroes and stuff, you think of, uh, you think of Marvel. And Marvel is very much like the liberal kind of power fantasy kind of thing. Um, and so to have those arguments mentioned but then dismissed in favor of radical solutions that actually address structural issues is incredibly refreshing. And so that just made me think like, man, we on the left have such an opportunity with all the the means of disseminating information, all the different uh, creative avenues we could take to produce stuff like this and provide an alternative to these more liberal or, or oftentimes reactionary forms of media. And that's kind of uh, on the one hand, daunting because we don't have really the infrastructure to build that up to to combat these other um, ideologies. But on the other hand, it's uh, it's kind of exciting. Like we could do this stuff. There's some of it out there, and we just need to put out more of it. I I think I would say that the infrastructure it might be more present than than you think. Um, hmm. Artists in general skew left wing. Yeah. Um, however, the guys in boardrooms um, do not. And so a big consequence of this is the the higher your budget, the more you're answering to suits, the more in line with the status quo your art becomes. But when you yep. get into these smaller things, like a, a side comic run of the Hulk, uh, you, you get it a lot in, in books, uh, obviously, um, or, or lower budget film, even yep. you get much more interesting and radical politics. But you're never going to see that in like the MCU, because right. when you're trying to sell that broadly, you just you. you you can have a vaguely like, you know, one degree to the left of Hillary Clinton sort of progressive <laughs> vibe. But that's yeah. you're getting cut off after that. That's the line usually. Yeah. yeah. Well, what, what, what's interesting as people move further to the left, ironically, kind of the market is going to eat itself. You know, oh, the whole cliche, uh, they're going to sell us the rope we hang them with. And it's mm -hmm. going to be more and more profitable to actually make left wing content including comics, including film, including uh, video games. So there will be kind of a midpoint in which the, the, their greed will grow to such an extent that even the guys in the boardroom will be pushing, hey, we should kind of uh, address this whole new market that has erupted mm -hmm. of quote-unquote left-wingers. Obviously, there will always be relatively milk toast. I mean, we see, you know, uh, fucking Pride Month, what they what they do for the LGBTQ community by just, you know, painting their logos uh, in uh, uh, the, the rainbow flag and shit. But uh, Thanks, Raytheon. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Woo, uh, but uh, <laughs> but not the, 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 the to to an extent. It's all it eventually will become a materially materially feasible uh, kind of market for them to try and explore. Uh, mostly in the beginning, Miltos leftists, but then at some point, uh, you know, the as as more and more people get radicalized, uh, more and more of them might even be approached by by mainstream. Uh, uh, outlets and so on but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't try and develop and set up our own outlets or if not uh, to such an extreme case as UK beautifully put try and uh, keep as many of those people who are not yet there that they're generating so much capital and that because of that they're closer and closer to the people in the boardroom 
towards us so that when they're eventually approached by the people in the boardroom, they've already established such strong, you know, uh, IPs that uh, no matter how much the guy in the boardroom tries to push them to the right, they, uh, they kind of refuse to. Something like, I don't know, Disco Elysium and the whole like drama around it can potentially be an example of, uh, you know, both the negative and positive aspects of where such a, let's call it a discussion uh, can go in when, again, the devs themselves are very uh, strongly uh, set in their ways when it comes to uh, more progressive uh, uh, politics. But uh, this has been a brilliant episode and we should slowly start, unfortunately, wrapping up. So before we do, I have a kind of surprise question. If gamers were not the cringiest, most reactionary, most uh, <laughs> oppressed people in the world, give me two other categories that you think would be. Weebs. Jumping in to say weebs. I, <laughs> honestly, honestly, and yeah. Why? I want explanations, motherfucker. <laughs> um, I mean... My do does weebs require an explanation? They're, they're a nightmare. <laughs> Whenever you not. see an anime profile picture, you know you're in for the worst shit you've ever seen. <laughs> and you know if you click on their profile, there's like a 60-70% chance it's going to be sexual drawings of cartoon children. Yeah. So, or not Hitler, good. Or like really cute Hitler. <laughs> or yeah, cute I'm, Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> and the other one, don't say pedophiles, that's too easy. Uh, we already did. We already said weebs. The other one is, I'm going to say, ideologically committed liberals, like people who are uh, like yep, yep. excited about the Hillary Clintons and the Keir Starmers and the, the Joe Bidens <laughs> and, and, and so on of the world. That's just, I get it if you think it's worthwhile to sort of hold your nose and vote for them or whatever, but if you're actually like, no, this guy's actually really good, yeah, that's... That's sad for you. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how to help you. Yeah, I had a coworker. I think I've brought him up on the podcast before, but he was all in for Mayor Pete. He loved oh the guy. And I was like, that's even you... weirder because like this, he's an outside shot. Like it's not like you're yeah. siding with power. I'm going for the underdog, but it's Mayor Pete. Like... It's like it's knockoff Obama. It's like this guy is <laughs> terrible. Nobody likes him. Why do you like him? And then eventually he he got on the Biden train and he's got the Biden socks and everything. I'm like man. What a what a beautiful mind you have. I I'd love to go for a dip in that brain and just see what else is in there. <laughs> Biden socks. I would I would redacted myself immediately. <laughs> Lovely. So, thank you again Kay for coming. Uh please say hi to Skittles from us. Uh before we start wrapping up the show, Please tell our audience where they could find some of your work. Obviously, all of the links will be included in the description. This has been absolutely fucking wild. I am sure that, obviously, if you agree on it, we will have you on the show many, many times more. And for everybody that's been sticking to the episode all the way to the end, uh, they should hear it. Kay has actually been one of the most requested uh, guests ever. So I hope you motherfuckers are happy uh, because we also are very happy because uh, this turned out to be a great episode. So, okay, let me not ramble on anymore. Please tell our listeners where they can find your shit and all of that will be in the description. Of course. I didn't know people were requesting me. That's oh, cool. Yeah. Sick. Uh, yeah, you can you can find my videos on YouTube at K and Skittles. Um by the time this is out, 
I should have a video up on uh, uh, The Forgotten City and Pentiment, which is two games about history that I'm going to use to talk about history, which I warned you would happen at the beginning of this episode, so you got <laughs> no one to blame but yourself. we'll talk about history. There we go. Sorry for spamming you with your previous career video games. Now we will continue. Uh, next time we do history. <laughs> no, I'm combining. I'm combining video games and history to be the most annoying person uh, <laughs> yeah. on the planet. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, but yes. Like... <laughs> Uh, and you can you can check out uh, my two for some reason podcasts uh, that do largely pertain to video games. Uh, All gamers are bastards, and video games are the worst thing on earth. Which uh, both have me and other people. It'll it'll kind of be like this. There will be me and one wow. to two other people, similar situation. <laughs> um, and uh, follow me on Twitter at K and Skittles. I think that's that's all my shit. I stream. I think I, st- I stream on Sundays and Mondays on Twitch in, in the evening, British time. You go there. Busy. Very busy. Yeah, I don't have enough jobs. Like, my actual <laughs> job isn't enough, apparently, so I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> well, with all that said, let's wrap up today's episode. This has been a great one. Thanks again, Kay. This has been The Deep Program. I'm JT. I'm Ugobnik. And I'm Kay. Never trust a weeb. <laughs> <laughs>